This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This is Emily and Amanda Gale from the Gale Force Twins, and you're listening to Impact Outdoors. Eventually, we graduated college and said, we just, I think that that first job on the water made us realize, it opened our eyes to a whole industry that we didn't even know existed. It never really occurred to me that you could make a whole career being an outdoorsman or a fisherman or anything like that, even though, you know, we had grown up doing fishing charters, but it's still so different, especially being in school and at University of Miami, it's extremely like academically rigorous and everybody there is going to our best friend. She's graduating vet school this year, She's, you know, and like, yeah. yeah, so it's like, that's what everybody's doing, vet school, grad school, PhD programs. So. It was really eye-opening to do that first job, and that was just a huge game-changer for us, and we graduated, and we were the ones that wanted to pursue grad programs. Yeah. But um, our family was like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, why don't you just slow down and just get a normal job? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so that normal job then became staying in the industry and continue to work on charter boats. They were extremely supportive, would take us to Bass Pro Shops and like flag someone down and say, hey, like, my daughter wants to do this. How do I do it? Help me out. So they're really helpful and supportive. And I remember when we kids, our dad used to like tie He used to sit there and the, tie to whatever the knots line. he could. I don't like, even know what he was tying. I don't even know, but <laughs> can't tie, it was, tie a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, and then that's also another um, motivation for our channel and our content is that, you know, it's all family friendly and a two-year-old can watch it and the parents can watch it and our, we don't want to create, or I should say, all of our c- content is created so that the parents don't have to look over the kid's shoulder and like worry about what they're watching. Multiple parents come up to us and thank, thank us, us for creating something that they can just be like, oh, you're watching Gale Force Twins? Sounds good. And don't even have to think about it. And part of that's our personality, too. We're a lot like that, but we just really wanted to make that for everybody. And I don't want to create something that somebody feels like they shouldn't watch or somebody it's just that's not what how the world should be <laughs> hey everyone welcome back to another episode of impact outdoors podcast and we're coming to you live from the hunt fish podcast summit again and on this week's show 
we are joined by Emily and Amanda Gale, better known as the Gale Force Twins on YouTube. And, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a great episode, getting to hear their story on uh, just how they found the sport of fishing, turned it into their passion, and eventually now into their career working together as, um, you know, business partners with the Gale Force Fishing and, and uh, through the start of their charter fishing business and now moving into just strictly content creation on YouTube and, and other social media platforms. But uh, they've got a really cool story, um, very unique background coming from the University of Miami as uh, pole vaulters for the track and field team and, and uh, just, uh, you know, the processes of of putting all the stuff they've been doing together and how it's been so successful over the last several years. So excited to have them on the show and let's get started with Emily and Amanda Gale. Well, we're here at the Hunt Fish Podcast Summit here at the Warren Ranch and I've got Emily and Amanda with me today and uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to Texas. Yeah, thank you for having us. We're really glad to be here. We've been doing some fishing already been catching some new species and joining some podcasts yeah so so what is your uh i mean besides i know you've been here collegiately for sports but i think this is i guess y'all's first real trip into texas culture and, and that kind of thing how's how's it been it's think, been yeah it's been a lot of fun it's yeah. definitely our first real trip to texas you could say yeah we'll be doing some hunting it's kind of new to us. We're definitely saltwater anglers, right? Heavy on the offshore side, but we're really fishing girls. Yep. Nice. We don't do a lot of it, like freshwater fishing either, so getting yeah. into that while we're here, a lot of fun. Yeah. So I mean, I seen y'all uh, stop and got some barbecue yesterday. We did. So how was that? It was good. <laughs> we were. We actually asked our Instagram followers on Instagram stories for good restaurant recommendations for lunch between the Dallas airport and here because it was a three-hour drive and we were landing. We actually landed at like. 9 a.m., but by the time we got our rental car, it was almost 10, 11. 30, 11, yeah. yeah. So we got quite a few people recommended Heart 8 Barbecue, mm -hmm. um, and we said, all right, let's go here, and it was it was really good. Yeah, it, it was fun. Good. It was Stopped there. Yeah, really cool. We actually ran to Bass Pro Shops after because we drove past it, check it out. see everything. Yeah. Did y'all pass a Bucky's on the way? I we can't didn't. Remember. I kept my... I think they're on I the mean, north side yeah. and south side of Dallas. So. I've been to Bucky's when we were here for track meets we were uh -huh. in college and they're really cool and i was like every oh. time we would pass the buck or i mean not every time but in college track we would have certain stops along the way for people to i don't know yeah get food or whatever yeah, but we there was a bucky's everyone's getting but on the bus just yeah. in general the gas stations here are a lot better we stopped i don't know what we stopped at but it was it actually was a shell but it was massive and there was a diner inside there was a dine yeah, yeah. food inside really cool everything's bigger here yeah, i know everything's <laughs> bigger true. in texas and i go to florida and you've got the the wawa gas station yeah, yeah. it's like where does that name come from? And uh, I got a buddy that his his phone or something, it makes some weird noise and it goes wah, 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 wah. And the first time I went to Florida, I seen that. I was like, it's yeah. like, look, there's your phone. <laughs> promotion for the gas station. I would say so wah, wahs are the best gas stations in Florida. They do have good sandwiches. Mm -hmm. I stopped. Somebody said, you got to get a hot sandwich or sub from there or whatever. So um, I love going to Florida and, uh, and seeing everything over there. It's totally different than yeah. here. Very. So, I mean night and day so you can see in the water <laughs> the water's clear <laughs> a lot more fish, fish species and stuff but well i'm so excited you guys are here um thank you guys for making the trip over um i know y'all had a long long day of travel yesterday but um you know it's been amazing to watch y'all's career just kind of explode here the thank last you. couple of years y'all do a exceptional job at promoting the sport of fishing and and, and educating 
adults and kids alike, I think, through through mm-hmm. all y'all's media outlets that y'all do. But um, kind of going back, you know, how we do on a lot of these podcasts is like, what was it like growing up for y'all, you know, as far as outdoors and, and you know, y'all are y'all are twin sisters. Yes. So, and I know we talk, we've talked about this a bunch of times um, here already, but, you know, kind of how was that growing up? Um, when did you get in fishing and, and how did y'all's career start? Yeah, I mean, we actually... To most people's surprise, we did not grow up in a fishing family at all. Um, we were definitely an outdoorsy family when it came to like boating, but we are more of like a sandbar family or maybe snorkeling, do some snorkeling, beach, mm-hmm. the beach, that kind of thing. Very adventure style family. And very yeah. like an active family. Like everyone's like some kind of athlete or, um, you know, our dad has been and still is like a half marathon runner. We just ran our first half marathon. So that's like what our family's like so anything active we're all about yeah and our family used to rent a house in the summer in the keys and the florida keys and we were kids and we just saw other kids fishing and we said i really want to go do that so we started fishing off the docks had no idea what we were catching didn't know what we were doing nothing like that and (laughs) it was a birthday gift to us our parents um, took us on a fishing charter Mm -hmm. so we wanted to go I remember in quotes, I said, I want to go deep sea fishing. Because you see the big signs in the Florida Keys that say deep sea fishing. Everywhere. So we went out to the reef. We mm-hmm. did deep yellowtail snapper fishing. I think we went offshore for some mahi. And that mm-hmm. was our first like real experience fishing. We were 13. Mm-hmm. And uh, ever from there through high school, we would kind of do recreational fishing here and there. And then we started to get serious in college. We worked on sport fish boats. And that's where th- the real knowledge came Right, in. I would say the fishing from age 13 to high school graduation was the education there i don't i would say we really didn't know a lot it was just go out have fun have a good time Mm -hmm. and then in college it was it that's when it turned and was like oh wow i really know what i'm doing now (laughs) (laughs) so how did that work like what was the process of of doing that in college like how that happened um well we were it being a college athlete we ran track at the university of miami we were pole vaulters and we're also pre-med undergrad degrees. Okay. So school and the semesters were incredibly intense. And the track season, because it's a spring sport, we basically did our training in the fall, competed in the spring, and then our off season was the summer, mm-hmm. which not a lot of student athletes get that. Most of them have to stay at school in the summer and do yeah. a lot of training. So we actually had time off. And it was our second to last summer, like later in, into college, we decided to get no internships in the summer. We worked just kind of burned out just from school and just exhausted so we said let's just do a fun job let's work on a fishing boat let's take a break from all the academic stuff and at the time part of the reason was because we weren't 100 percent sure we wanted to go to medical school we had pre-med undergrads and we were realizing i don't know if medical school's for me so mm-hmm. it was like the summer was the opportunity to like let's just slow down slow down and kind of like just get a job and self-reflect not, not take you know, anything what we want for life yeah. yeah and not do it so seriously yeah so that's where it started we got a summer job on a sport fishing key west that first job was very heavy on the captain side and like the running a boat side. Um, we did okay. learn fishing, but it was a lot of like more so just like it was on a 36 foot sport fish. So how to find the fish, how to run a charter, that kind of thing. It was more of like a mm. captain role, actually. Yeah. And y'all were doing that together, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we or well separate boats or yeah, yeah, they had two boats in the fleet. Um, and we would just work different days or different <coughs> trips. So if there was right. like double halves, we would just each take a trip or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Or if there was one book going out, then we would just take turns. Yeah. We did our best to get out as yeah. often as we could. Eventually we graduated college and said, we just, 
I think that that first job on the water made us realize it opened our eyes to a whole industry that we didn't even know existed. It never really occurred to me that you could make a whole career being an outdoorsman or a fisherman mm-hmm. or anything like that, even though, you know, we had grown up doing fishing charters, but it's still so different, mm-hmm. especially being in school and at University of Miami, it's extremely like academically rigorous and everybody there is going to our best friend. She's graduating vet school this year. She's, you know, and it's cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, that's what everybody's <coughs> doing. Vet school, grad school, PhD programs. So it was really eye opening to do that first job. And that was just a huge game changer for us. And we graduated and we were the ones that wanted to pursue grad programs. Yeah. But, um, our family was like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, why don't you just slow down and just get a normal job? (laughs) (laughs) Normal job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that normal job then became staying in the industry and continue to work on charter boats. Mm -hmm. So how was that? How was your, um, so when you were doing the charter boats, were you all taking out a lot of, like, families and stuff? Or was it, you know, just people just down there on vacation, I assume? We've had a like lot that, of everything. everything. Corporate the stuff? or Yeah. The charter companies we worked for would get everything from families to bachelor parties to corporate events. Because um, it's the Florida Keys. So yeah. everyone goes down there. Yeah. It's a lot different somebody's paying you to take them out right there's a little bit of added stress on most of these trips i mean i know speaking from experience being a charter guide down in galveston you know it's it's not just taking your buddies fishing you know i mean you gotta do it every day yeah you know so that was that's a really cool y'all were able to do that such a, a young age yeah i mean not a lot of people male or female get that opportunity so um that had to be pretty cool so you know, doing that, like, how did it progress? Because I know y'all end up, yeah. y'all chartered on your own, right, yes. after that? Yeah, eventually we kind of decided that we wanted to focus on the families and the kids. And we, I don't even think we were really planning on opening our own charter business, but it was just a fellow captain, and he was like, I mean, you see the, you can do it, basically. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I guess we could do it. So we opened up our own charter boat and we took out families and kids and we specialized in, you know, teaching little kids how to fish and teaching Mm -hmm. families how to fish. And naturally that progressed into what we do now, which is content creation where we're teaching our viewers on the internet how to fish. So was that, um, I mean, that's been a relatively recent transition into Mm -hmm. that. So was that from COVID or was it just a progression is like you can reach more people doing this or yeah, all of it or both. The big thing would definitely be COVID. So we had our charters. Um, we were booked pretty often. We we're happy with it. And when the world shut down, we lost all of our charters. And we both kind of looked at each other and we were like, "Well, we need to do something." Um, so mm. we decided to still work full time. Like we worked five days a week, but we just went out on the water. We worked seven days a week. Yeah, we were. Let's be real. <laughs> we worked more than five. So we would. Basically, we kept fishing every day. Right. But instead of taking clients out, we were taking our camera out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were uploading. We actually had friends that had YouTube channels and kind of told us how YouTube works, what people on YouTube want to see. So we went out, we filmed, we uploaded four fishing videos a week for the first three months because that was the peak of COVID. So we were out every day filming, producing, doing it all. Um, everything was really self-taught, actually. Mm-hmm. We've definitely... Yeah, because there's a YouTube video about everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Right? laughs> yeah. And uh, 
you know, it just started off with just our iPhone and like some GoPros and mm-hmm. now we have a Sony and nice mics and everything. But we did start with just like an iPhone and going out yeah. and the world did start to open back up after COVID and we tried to balance charter fishing and content creation at the same time, but it was, they're both full-time jobs. They really are. Mm-hmm. So we loved content creation so much. We decided to pursue that full-time, even though we had seen success during COVID, it was still definitely a leap of faith. We weren't hundred percent sure if it was going to be sustainable, off, yeah. would it really take off to where it needed to be. But we had made enough progress during COVID that we knew that it was where we wanted to be. So we s- continued with the content creation side. And what we loved about it was that instead of taking four people out on my boat and teaching four people how to catch a yellowtail snapper, I can teach hundreds of thousands, hundreds of, thousands of people mm-hmm. how to catch a yellowtail snapper. And it doesn't have to be on this day at this time. They can do it when they come down to the Keys for vacation. Or if you want a yellowtail out of Fort Lauderdale or different species too. So I think that's why we really liked it. And I think the freedom of it and the just, you really, even though charter fishing, you do work for yourself. I think with content creation, you're working around the clock for yourself, but I just think we really enjoyed the freedom and the creativity that came with it. I think it was the creative side that really attracted us to it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy how YouTube has become like a career choice Mm -hmm. for people now. Mm -hmm. Um, The first year I was actually at this facility at the Warren ranch where we're out, we were here for one of our brigades programs, the bass brigade program. And we had a, a guest speaker come in and uh, and he come in and was going to talk to the kids he fished collegiately um and actually won in the national championship the mm-hmm. year before um at texas a&m and and um and and that was justin rackley i don't know if you've heard of justin rackley or not but he's a uh, lake fort guy tv and mm-hmm. so basically now they own Guggen baits yeah, and okay. all yeah. all that company and, and he's just exploded you know and he's like yeah i'm starting this youtube thing and and he was guiding and worked with shimano and some other places and it was cool to see and now there's there's a lot there's a lot of people doing that yeah um go ahead no i was just gonna say but finding good like educational valuable information on youtube is kind of hard to find thank you you know yeah so that's what kind of led me to watch y'all's yeah. follow y'all's careers and, and do that and my kids watch y'all's shows yeah. and and stuff so yeah i think uh, that's part of the reason why we ended up going such the education route on youtube yeah. was one it actually came very natural to us to do education it was almost it was almost like when the camera was in front of either of us like the natural thing to do was let's just start talking about what we're doing mm-hmm. yeah but i feel like a lot of the reason was because since we didn't grow up in a fishing family it was actually incredibly hard to get your foot in the door and learn and get real knowledge about fishing i didn't feel like before we had the job on the fishing boat if the two of us wanted to go out and catch mahi i would have had had next to no idea where to start you could spend hours on the internet trying to figure it out yeah and our mom didn't fish and so i think that was a lot of motivation though was that we've had some really amazing people teach us and show us and we had some really great jobs that taught us a lot and i was like i don't see why we can't why we shouldn't be sharing this with the world if you want to take i'll share everything except my fishing numbers it's the one thing we'll say yeah. <laughs> but if you want to take the time to buy the bait buy the tackle get out there learn how to do it go before sunrise whatever it is rig your rods do it all you deserve to land that fish you know mm-hmm. and then you're going to wait and hope they bite too like what if they don't bite so i yeah. think that was a lot of it first we're like i'll share everything i know with you i'll even share with you how to find fishing spots and mm-hmm. i think that's kind of was a big motivation for us was just not having that opportunity growing up it was just really hard y'all are in like the perfect situation down there because i mean you've got 
everything's so close you mm -hmm. know offshore inshore flats fishing all this all this unique stuff and then the species diversity in south florida is just it's through the insane. roof yeah you know i mean we're we're over here and we get pelagics and and all that but you got to travel a long ways to get to most of them you know 50 to 100 right. miles offshore um for for a lot of those and and, and our predominant species are redfish trout flounder Never sheep's caught head, kind of things any of those i've caught a sheep's head I ever yeah. well, <laughs> <laughs> open invitation <laughs> yeah. to ladies to always yeah uh, anytime y'all want to come down i'll take y'all fishing yeah. down in galveston so and we do have a great fishery so you can't always see through the water so it's one of the things you know, i've talked with like tom Rowland and something's mm -hmm. like man, when we've come fish the redfish tournaments in texas like we were so lost because we're used to looking for the fish and, right. and you can't see them. Yeah. It's like, well, there's just other ways you, you notice where they're at, you know, by whether it's a, a boil in the water or, or slicks on the surface mm -hmm. from the f forage they're feeding on, you know, and, and then obviously the tail yeah. sticking mm -hmm. out of the water. So, but um, everywhere's different. Everywhere's a little, a little different. But um, so what's like, it's like when you started doing, posting the stuff on YouTube, like how big was the like the initial grab like and how that's grown like mm -hmm. how have y'all seen that progression um well we started with we had our youtube channel we had around a thousand subscribers when COVID first happened just because being a charter business we had been promoting to instagram and social media and we did pr post like some random three minute videos from like our yeah. hawaii <laughs> trip um to our youtube channel so mm -hmm. we did have like a teeny tiny following and then for the first three months we uploaded four times a week and we went from like 1,000 to close to 10,000 subscribers. Okay. And then we had a couple of videos go, not, I wouldn't say like viral. It wasn't like millions upon millions of views, but for, for the size of our channel, it, it we had yeah. videos heavy. get yeah. um, close to like 800,000 views. Wow. And one of them was um, docking in close quarters. I found a video on how to dock a boat <coughs> in close quarters. And we had this slip that we used to keep our boat at and, we had to spin the boat around, and there was maybe like eight inches of space on either side of the boat. So we're like, let's film a video on how to do this. <laughs> so we did that, and then we did a video on how to use an anchor ball, mm -hmm. and a video mm. on vertical um, jigging. Oh, and the video on um, rough seas. Yeah. So there so were a lot of a handful, boating videos. Yeah, that's very true. So even though we're very fishing heavy, a handful of our boating, educational boating content kind of went viral, mm -hmm. and our channel has gone from. 10,000 to it went from 10 to 30,000 really quick and now we're sitting at 135,000 right it just kind of crept yeah. up from there yeah, yeah. it was yeah it's it, kind of mind-blowing we had a few jumps but <coughs> everything between the jumps is just slow and steady mm -hmm. and being consistent yes yeah definitely out, which i think is probably the biggest key i to think we've gone this. dark two times within the last two years and when you say go dark you it mean was like, like we, we went dark, dark for a week a week yeah it was like i need a break can we take a week off yeah yeah you know schedule out ahead yeah. <laughs> like, okay we need yeah. we need time away so yeah. and so uh what you know this is crazy how y'all have kind of exploded on the fishing scene and um and all that but uh what are um i mean what are your long-term plans for this yeah well i mean naturally our brand has grown so just from the channel alone, we've grown into having Gale Force fishing rod line and Gale Force performance gear. Mm. We're most proud of our rod line. Um, every every part and piece of each rod that we've designed, like we hand chose and picked. We did a full year. We Right now we have 
four different builds in our line, and we did a full year of prototypes for those four year four builds alone. Mm-hmm. Fishing with them, didn't like one thing. We would rebuild, have the rod rebuilt, um, and then fish with it again. It wasn't like, oh, this is good, but let's change this and then sell it. Yeah, so we're, we're really, really on top of it. I think that's like our baby right now yeah. is the Gale Force Rods. We actually just, we're right now we're in a local shop in the Lower Keys at mm-hmm. Lower Keys Tackle. And then we actually just got into a shop in New Jersey. <laughs> um, and so we're pretty excited about that. And then online right now, most of our yeah, sales are we online. we do e-commerce. So we sell nationwide and worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I think our rods are really, so I think the big push, I it's just something that I think we love the process from starting with... A blank and then picking yeah. the guides based on and a lot of it's based on experience for us originally our snapper rods had single foot guides and everything's stainless steel but they're single foot guides and i just knew that you know when you go snapper fishing especially like in south florida or off the east coast you can be in rough seas and it's so easy to bump a guide this isn't like little inshore snapper fishing this is yeah. so we made sure we did double foot guides or something like that so we just made a mm-hmm. lot of changes and the goal though was for all the rods to be as user friendly as possible so something that was lightweight and comfortable for a woman or a kid to use but still durable and like large enough for a man to use you know because mm-hmm. i i know that some people try to make women's rods or kids rods but it's hard to do that because then the dad, quality dad can't use it right or maybe yeah. the quality goes down so we really want to keep quality but make sure everybody on the boat could use it comfortably mm-hmm. most people i don't think generally uh think about what goes into a good fishing <laughs> yeah. rod like yeah. i have no idea no it's crazy like when i started using like generic like store-bought rods charter fishing you know I mean, I was breaking them left and right, mm-hmm. just having issues with them, and then went, like, the custom route, you know, with mm-hmm. lightweight components, and just, oh, man, it made such a difference. Yeah, it's a huge difference, and that's us, too, is we, when we first started fishing, we were doing whatever we could find at, like, I don't know, the big shops or whatever, and we were breaking them, rings would fall out of the guides, mm-hmm. tip tops would break off, yeah. and some of it, I'm sure, was user error with the experience level we had at the time, but... I just I did feel like things would break or rust so right. fast, and yeah. it's so ex- it's a lot of work just to get on the boat and drive away from the dock. Like the amount of work you have to put in just to step foot on the boat, and the last thing you want to do is get on your boat and get ready to drive away. And oh man, the guide's broken <laughs> like yep. on your rod, and that's one less rod you can fish with. So we um, prior to creating our Gale Force rod line, we started personally getting custom rods built for us, mm-hmm. and our viewers were asking, "What rod is that? What rod is that?" And I was like, I don't, I can't really tell you what rod it is because I got a custom made for myself. And that was kind of where the light bulb went off and it was like, I think we're on to something. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. So what, um, so what are the, the different types of rods y'all are having so made now? Yeah. We have, we don't do a lot of freshwater, even though we're doing it right now. We have um, a bass rod, a spinning bass rod. And the main purpose for that rod was to reach everyone Mm-hmm. And if you're landlocked, because right. a large, universal yeah, a large usage. portion of our following is from the Midwest, the Northeast, and they don't live anywhere near the saltwater, but they like to watch us. So we definitely want to make sure we had something for mm-hmm. them. And we've been using the rods as well. We love them so much. And then we have, um, we call it our do-it-all rod. It's a 15 to 30 pound moderate rod. So it's great for mahi, for it's kind of like our all-purpose It's like mm-hmm. that all-purpose spinning Great rod. Great for vertical jigging. You can vertical okay. jig with it. Bottom tarpon, fish. That kind of thing. Cobia. Yep. It's the, it's the all-purpose. Left, definitely light tackle, though. And then we have our, we call it our inshore reef slayer. That's our snapper rod that you can double up inshore a little mm-hmm. bit. It's a 10 to 20 pound fast action rod. 
And then we have our slow pitch digging rod. Mm-hmm. So we went with a spiral wrapped slow pitch rod, spiral wrapped guides. Um, some people call it acid wrapped. Okay. And that rod, um, we're really happy with how that one came out. Yeah. I mean, we slow pitch digging started to become, it's like the next thing. Yeah, I love I love that kind of fishing. Oh, yeah. So yeah. yeah. I definitely want to get one of those rods and try yeah. it out. So. Yeah. <laughs> and something, even though it's, you could say slow pitch digging is a smaller market right now because not everyone's doing it, there's not a lot out there for slow pitch digging as far as rods mm-hmm. goes. So we were like. Or they're like $800. Yeah. yeah. Like very slow pitch rods can be. Well, I always tell people, if you're going to get in the offshore fishing game, like you have to pay to play. Yeah. You do. It's There's no getting sport. around it. I tried initially to go on mm-hmm. the cheap side. You don't want and to. I lost fish, burnt reels up, broke rods. Just yeah. And it was just, it's more heartbreak. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you end up like spending more money because then you try to replace it. Yeah. yeah. What know. is the expression? Buy. Buy. It's like buy. Buy nice, buy once. Buy cheap, buy twice. Buy cheap, buy twice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Somebody's going to hear this and know what we're talking about. There's like an expression that rhymes. Yeah. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, it's true, though. It really yeah. is. I mean, fish offshore, they ain't messing around. No, So not. what is the biggest thing y'all have caught? Oh, okay. Well, um, does electric reel count? Some people, I don't care. okay. Some people are weird about it's a fish coming on the deck is a fish you caught. So yeah, so it's my proudest fish. You can tell which me. one's yours. The same as yours. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we have Did y'all reel together. Or no, no, it was a three-person job. It actually. was a team effort, and we caught a <coughs> two. It was we never got the final weight, but it, it was definitely over two hundred pound swordfish. I thought we said it was over three hundred. Okay, never got the final way, but we did talk to a captain that used a commercial sword And fish. he said it was probably close he to 300. He said it was close to 300. Okay. But it was so definitely over 200, close you're to 300. Right, well over 200. It was a two, over 200 pound swordfish. Wow. And um, it was on an electric reel. On an electric reel so in 2,000 feet of water, 1,900 s- feet or something. Yeah. Okay. Were y'all um, daytime dropping? Or? Yeah. Daytime. So I guess the reason we both caught it was because I guess I was on the reel. Um, because people, you know, think it's electric doesn't count, but it's an electric reel is still a tool that you have to know how to use. Mm-hmm. So I was on the reel adjusting the drag as needed. Yeah, it's not on just pushing a button. No, not at all. Up, so. And with swordfish, they have very soft mouths, so you really can't just, like, crank the drag down and get it to the surface. So I was on the reel if the fish was running too hard, adjusting the drag, and then she was at the wheel, and if the fish would go this way, she would drive the boat that way. So it's sword fishing was definitely a team effort, that fish, and got it in the boat. Um, that was a we, – we have had swordfish – I think that was almost two years ago, and I think we're down to like our the last, last couple steaks. <laughs> That's a lot or of steak, meat. I should say. It was a lot. A lot. We yeah. we fed the whole neighborhood. It was really fun. <laughs> That's my favorite fish. The neighbors were coming over. Like, well, oh next time gosh. you get a swordfish, text me. I'll send you my address, and you'll we'll send yeah. Yeah. Sure I haven't had yeah. swordfish in a I'm while. Like, we're low, I've never caught a swordfish. Out. I've swordfished a couple times, but um, when when we got out, me and a buddy were working on a private boat for about eight years, and we were that was just blowing up over here was a uh, um, daytime sword fishing yeah. and in nighttime fishing and, and it's uh, the numbers over here off Texas are insane for swordfish like it's un- mm-hmm. it's unreal really I mean there's some guys I know the like the the booby trap fishing team and stuff and they would go out and catch 30 40 a trip 
<laughs> over a couple yeah. days. Like yeah. I mean, record-breaking That's numbers, um, and and big fish. Yeah, like, really big fish. You know. So, but um, but how's um, so being over there is like. Uh, you know, I've never been to the Keys, so I don't. I don't really know that that area of South Florida. The first South I've been to Florida is is uh, uh, Tampa Bay okay. area, yeah. right? And I fished over on uh, uh, Mosquito Lagoon off the coast there um, mm-hmm. about five years ago. But um, so what? Like, if somebody comes down there, like on the on the Atlantic side versus the Gulf side, y'all prefer fishing on mm-hmm. one area than another? Definitely prefer the Atlantic. Well, that's where most of our experience is. That's true. But we so we. Most of our channel right now is heavy on the reef rack offshore Atlantic stuff. And we have, s- a couple months ago, we got an 18-foot Hughes. Mm-hmm. And that's actually been the boat we've used almost exclusively over the past it, yeah. six, seven months. And we're doing more inshore fishing, which we've loved. Super new to it, though. Mm-hmm. We're filming the process of us learning. Yeah, so this is actually new. So, you know, a lot of our episodes are educational. And we don't know a lot about inshore fishing, and I'm not going to pretend to teach someone something I don't know how to use. Right. So we're when we're filming our intro videos, I'm telling all our viewers, "Hey guys, I don't, I'm not, sh- I'm not going to teach you something that I don't know, but you're going to learn with me. You might know more than I do, but we're going to take you with us anyways." So it's kind of like a fun thing on mm-hmm. our channel right now for people to mm-hmm. experience cool. with us. That is cool. Yeah. So I've I seen some of the videos y'all were posting. Y'all were catching some mangroves yeah. and stuff up shallow. And in the mangrove trees or whatever and all that. So do y'all have y'all done a lot of tarpon fishing and stuff? Or not, not too much, no. Yeah. Is that is that pretty big? Oh, yeah. yeah. I know no, it's everywhere. It's it's the like in yeah. Florida. The tarpon migration we just gotta put is crazy, It's too. on us. We have to put yeah, the yeah. time into it for sure. Yeah. But it's a yeah. big deal down there. I finally got one in the boat the uh, year before last. And then uh, we went fishing last year right before ICAST over in Tampa. And uh, my buddy who we were fishing with, the guide over there, he handed me the rod and I just... Uh, my buddy Chris is probably listening to this. I handed Chris the rod. He was on the bow. I said, hey, you go ahead and take this one. And we had tarpon rolling around. And uh, I hear him cast. And then they're handing me the next rod. And I'll just hear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah about a about a 125-pounder first cast. Only tarpon we hooked all day. Oh. <laughs> I was like, that should have been me. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, they're, they're, uh, they're powerful fish. They are. And they're, they're truly incredible. Well, we've got a pretty good number of them over here off Texas. I mean, the the tarpon fishery over here is um, mid-Texas coast is probably the peak area. Um, Port Aransas, is Port O'Connor, um, north of Corpus Christi area. We have them all up and down the coast, but that seems to be the main area. But where I'm at in Galveston, they typically show up in, like, August until it starts getting cool. But, I mean, I've seen a lot of tarpon in there. We don't get a ton of them in the bay. But um, it's always cool when we see one because it's something a little bit different for us. Yeah. So, and we don't get a lot of snook over here. And I know the times I fished over there, snook are like hardhead catfish. Sometimes it's like there's so <laughs> many of them over there, but they're so much fun to catch. Yeah, in certain parts of the Florida Keys, they feel like you can catch snook everywhere. Down where we do most of our filming, um, you really got to look for the snook. I feel like yeah, at least where we are, we're over down in Big Pine. So I mean, there are definitely areas for them, but I mm-hmm. know we're not by the Everglades National Park where a lot of the Isla Mirada guys go I think you can catch snook like crazy back there I think I'm not even sure we don't really yeah, snook fish gotta that gotta go much. find out yeah, yeah. We, gotta, we gotta learn you got, the, you yeah. got the boat now I know yeah. so. it's on trailer too we should just go dump it in the water <laughs> that's cool so well what is it um, what has it been like for y'all I mean y'all get 
along with each other so well and stuff and i know everybody asks y'all that a, a million times but you know what what's it been like for, for y'all being able to do this together you know kind of build your career together after school and because i know last night y'all were saying y'all, y'all didn't have a lot of classes growing up until you got into college yeah um it's definitely been it's been a lot of fun i would say obviously being siblings in business it's not always easy but I think yeah. we've had a really great time doing it and something that we have done to, you know, always have our relationship as sisters is we'll go out of our way and we'll plan days or activities together where we just go and be sisters and friends mm-hmm. and hang out and we make a very hard effort not to talk about anything related to work, even though it sometimes mm-hmm. still comes up. But I mean, I think it's been... Right. I would say like when we first, when what we were saying last night was when we were in school Prior to college, mm-hmm. I don't think we had any classes together. Mm-hmm. We never really had lunch together. So we'd see each other in the morning, and then we'd see each other at track practice and in the evening. That was kind of it. And then we went to college, and being athletes in school and, and the, same, the major. same major, you have, like, certain windows you can take your classes. So we right. had every class together mm-hmm. for all four years. Except, like, our last Except year. Because, w- like, we decided to... We intentionally took separate classes our last semester. Yeah. <laughs> um, but And we were actually shared a room together for the first time in college. We yeah. didn't share a room growing up. <laughs> so that was all just kind of new. But it was actually really good. We got along, no problems. We're best friends, obviously. And now we have a business together. I would say there were some, I'd call them like growing pains. Like when learning curves, for sure, about oh. how to work, how to balance the work, um, friendship, life Mm -hmm. between the two of us like sitting down you know together on an evening watching tv or something like if you have a really great idea about work it would be like oh we gotta do this and it's like and then we realized it's kind of getting a little unhealthy so we had to set boundaries you know if you have a really good idea write it down we'll talk about write it down (laughs) we'll talk about it tomorrow you know yeah that's a good that's a good way to look at that so Yeah. yeah i know me and my wife get to work together on a lot of projects that we do and and yeah, we face that issue a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's like I'm at eleven o'clock at night and I'll be like, Oh, yeah, we should think about doing this or something, you know, yeah. on this project or something. So yeah, there is a there is a fine balance in and in, in, uh, healthy relationships and stuff like that. So but y'all are uh, doing a good job. Thank so you. um what um you know, y'all have been doing some trips and stuff. So like mm-hmm. how's that been? Going to other places and and uh, I know y- y'all went somewhere. We've been everywhere. S- to Mexico or oh, South Guatemala. America last year? Okay, Guatemala. That's where you yeah. went. Yeah, we were just there in December. No, yeah, no, December, December. Late yeah. November um, 2021 last year. Weird that <laughs> we're mm-hmm. in 2022 already. Um, but yeah, it was really fun. We caught, we went out sail fishing and we caught 14 sailfish on day one. And then on day two, it was like, well, what are we going to catch 14 more? We need to change it up to something cool. So we decided to fly fish for the sailfish. Mm-hmm. And Amanda has never fly fished before. Before that day. Before that day. I have done it one time and I caught a trout. And so she picks up the fly rod and casts. And her first time fly fishing, first fish on fly was a sailfish. Yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's I crazy. Know. I heard Chester complaining about this like, she said her first fish on the fly was a sailfish, and it was like mine was like a red ear sunfish or something. Yeah. So <laughs> that's yeah. pretty funny. So that was a good trip. We went to Guatemala. We're actually hosting. It was at the Pacific Fins Resort in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this are we doing it in November? I believe it's it's in my November. calendar. But later this year, this winter, we're going to be doing a woman's trip to Guatemala. Oh, so that's we're hosting cool. a trip. It's going to be 
around like 18 ladies total. Mm-hmm. They have several boats and basically we're booking the whole resort with all lady anglers. So we're doing that there this later this year. So that'll mm-hmm. be really exciting. I will say the trip is already full, but yeah. How well, do you find out about stuff like that? So that's a great question. A lot of people think that, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's great to follow us on social media. We're Gale Force Twins on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, pretty much TikTok. We do post to those platforms. But we also have a, we call it our VIP email subscribers. And you can subscribe to our mailing list through our website, which is galeforcefishing.com. Mm-hmm. And our email subscribers will get first notice for fishing events or new gear drops or fishing <laughs> or our gale force rods. Right. And a lot of times when those emails go out, we give a 24 hour head start for those people to book something. Yeah. And I would say a huge percentage of the time, th- those trips fill up before. From the from that alone, pre-sale. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so then, if it gets to social media, there might be only be like two to three spots left, and then people on social media are like, "Hey, like I never saw that or found yeah. out about it," and it's just because we have. So if anyone wants to do that, the way to go is the emails. Yeah. So you think the the demand for people wanting to be involved with that and and learn from you guys and and do those experiences, I mean, that's going to cause y'all to do more of those events in the future, or would, you kind of yeah, balancing like one to two a year, or more on the one to two a year side. It's a balance because obviously, if a trip fills up in twenty four hours, we could probably be doing them full time for a year yeah. if we wanted to. Um, but then we've also gotten to where we are by creating this content and this brand. So we don't want to step away from that and no longer have that. Mm-hmm. So we definitely like offering the trips. It's been, a, it's been interesting because I know the last five years I've seen a lot more of that happening with people. Mm-hmm. Like they'll book these destination trips and, yeah. you know, for people that, that um, follow them or if, if it's like an all women's trip or right. something. I know like Meredith McCord does a mm-hmm. bunch of that with fly fishing trips around the world and and some other people and stuff and you know like nick stanzik down there like he does the swordfish schools and all that yeah so i could dying to go try that sometime with them um but uh that's cool that y'all have that opportunity so um as most of the like you just did that one down or what what of those have you done so far like you've done like the yankee caps trips Mm -hmm, and stuff yeah the past this is gonna be the third year we're doing the yankee caps trips um, twice a year, we've been hosting trips on the Yankee Caps as well. Mm. Those are um, co-ed, I would say. Um, so those trips are any angler that wants to come. It, the boat takes around 25, 25 anglers, and we fish three nights, four days offshore, right. 100 miles off, sh- well, 100 miles offshore of Key West, um, Key West um, in the Gulf of Mexico, though. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of bottom fishing in 200 feet of water for tunas at night. Sorry, not for muttons at night but you get into the tunas as well and then during the day maybe some deeper water stuff sometimes i mean she caught us a, a giant snowy grouper hand cracking and hand cracking in 600 feet of water <laughs> on slow pitch actually yeah, on, on, slow the, pitch. on the gale force slow pitch rod um, that was a really good trip mm-hmm. so we've been hosting those trips yeah. as well mm-hmm. prior to that we have done women's only fish camps mm-hmm. so we definitely go out of our way to host trips we try to like stay as much i don't know stay available for or try to create trips and opportunities for other people to come and fish with us and learn in person mm-hmm. it just isn't a full-time thing yeah but it's kind of an, an added perk to mm-hmm. yeah. y'all's position yeah in the industry which is really cool so and that's a you know i had um, renee thornton who's here from montana with the wild sheep foundation um on earlier today and um, it's one of the things we've been talking about a lot and i've tried to emphasize a lot of that on a lot of my podcasts people have interviewed um 
that are uh, female and in the industry, um, you know, that seems to be those numbers are going way up, mm -hmm. you know, and what y'all's thinking behind all that. And I mean, that's an awesome thing to see, you know, it needs to be more and more of that, you know. Yeah, it's definitely, I feel like it's getting a lot more, um, there's a lot more lady anglers out there. And I feel like there's also a <coughs> lot more ladies that want to try fishing, but they're not exactly sure how to get into it or like, where do I start? Which is part of the reason why the we did the ladies fish camp. Um, and there's and no no skill level required. Same thing with Guatemala. You yeah, don't the Guatemala trip. You don't, don't have to know anything. You, this could mm -hmm. be your first time on a fishing boat. I mean, I would hope you know you don't get seasick before coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it could literally be your first time on a boat, and that's totally fine. You know, we just want people to come out and have fun, have a good time, maybe meet some other lady anglers, and kind of decide if it's if they like it or not. You know, it doesn't have to be for you, or maybe you already know it's totally for you. And you're a diehard and you want to come, but yeah, it, we just want to create an opportunity for women to come out and fish because it's definitely an intimidating industry. I would say it was int really intimidating, intimidating for us in the beginning, getting into mm -hmm. it, being the only lady anglers, the only wo ones on the dock kind of thing. And frequent, I mean, I would say nine times out of 10, the comments were incredibly supportive of what we were doing. But every once in a while you do get those comments, oh, someone's saying, yeah. oh, they're not going to make it because they're lady anglers, whatever. <laughs> so yeah. we just want to make sure that like nobody feels that way and they can all come mm -hmm. out and have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, a lot of people focus on the kids and all that. I mean, I'm big on that. Y'all know that. And, and um, um, but I know deep down, like trying to introduce um, a youth to a sport such as fishing or hunting, if you can't get the parents to understand and involved, that kid's mm -hmm. not going to have a chance no. at yeah. all. Like there's just usually not like the parents don't know. They're not going to know what to do, not how right. to, where to mm -hmm. take them, that kind of thing. So you got to you got to educate the mom or the dad, mm -hmm. you know, and, and get them involved. And, and a lot of groups are kind of shifting that direction mm -hmm. now. So, I mean, y'all are educating both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think I, would, I mean, we had, we, I could relate to that because our parents didn't know what they were doing. They were extremely supportive, would take us to Bass Pro Shops and, like, flag someone down and say, hey, like, my daughter wants to do this. How do I do it? Help me out. So they're really helpful and supportive. And I remember when kids, our dad used to, like, tie the He used the to sit there and the tie whatever knots line. he could. I don't like even know what he was tying. <laughs> I don't even know, but... Just whatever he <laughs> was tie a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, and then that's also another um, motivation for our channel and our content is that, you know, it's all family friendly and a two-year-old can watch it and the parents mm -hmm. can watch it and mm -hmm. our, we don't want to create, or I should say, all of our content is created so that the parents don't have to look over the kid's shoulder mm -hmm. and like worry about what they're watching yeah and that's really important today yeah because there's a lot of crap <laughs> there's a lot out there. <laughs> there it's crazy and we've had multiple parents come up to us and thank, thank us for mm -hmm. creating something that they can just be like oh you're watching Gale force twins sounds good and don't even have to think about it and part of that's our personality too we're a lot like that but we just really wanted to make that for everybody and I don't want to create something that somebody feels like they shouldn't watch or somebody. It's just, that's not what, how the world should be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, what was it um, um, like, like jumping in the industry and stuff and coming in and like you going, doing all this stuff, like y'all are in the middle of it now, like going to, to ICAST and, and meeting all the other people. Like what's been one of the coolest experiences y'all had? Wow. I, well, I would say that, one really cool experience was recently 
we our brand had a booth at the Miami International oh, Boat Show. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was actually a really good so one for us. So that was kind of a little leap of faith and investment into the booth space and all the gear. We weren't sure if it was going to be a success going into it. I said we might not even break even, but it's going to be, we can't look at it that way. It has to be something that is, you know, an experience and a, a it could be a growing pain for the business or it could be really incredible. And mm-hmm. thankfully it was totally awesome. We had so many, um, we viewers. had people fly from North Carolina to the Miami boat show so that his daughter could meet us for her birthday. Yeah. That's cool. So it was, it was really touching to actually get to, it's one thing and it's incredible to see the comments of the support and the families that watch, but it's another to actually get to talk to them and see them. Yeah. So we had, that was a really, really awesome experience. That was a big step for us and, it was the first place that our Gale Force fishing rods were available for people to touch and look at. Because mm-hmm. prior to the Miami Boat Show, they weren't in any tackle shops. So now they are, but um, so that way people could come and you know feel the rods and I need see to if they get y'all hooked up with some people over here in Texas. Yeah, and get them in there. Definitely. I've got lots of contacts. So, and uh, there's some other people here yeah. at the summit that could probably help y'all yeah. with that as well. So, cool. um, thank you. Well, that's that's cool, um, and. Uh, um, I was going to ask something. I forgot what it was. But, um, yeah, I think uh, I seen y'all posting that. I was like, y'all are going to do really good at that. So I assume <laughs> it was a big success. Yeah. yeah it was a you know? great event. And we're hoping to go to Fort Lauderdale. Probably going to actually buy um, double the booth space. We're going to mm-hmm. increase our booth space. Yeah. That's cool. Um, what? Um, I'm drawing a blank. Well, I was going to ask you a while ago. But um, the... The booth, that's what it was. You're talking about ICAST. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to say, because I've done a lot of trade shows, and, like, people don't understand, like, those things wear oh, you out. Exhausting. Oh, my gosh. It's that like, was... In, it's like, in, you never get to sit down. No, I was... I went to the bathroom once, one day, one time each day. <laughs> like, there's not time to walk away from the booth. Um, we had help at the booth, and I would I would be like, all right, I'm going to go now. And then I'd take two steps, and then someone would be like, hey... I'm <laughs> so and so, and I was like, okay, gotta wait. Um, and same for eating lunch. We actually had um, sushi maki is like a, a good sushi place by the us. Family owned sushi a family place. Owned sushi in place. Florida. And they have like a a booth or yeah, a like a they were a vendor, a, a food vendor, vendor, a food mm-hmm. vendor. And he, the owner, is a viewer of our content, and he was delivering Every day sushi. He would deliver sushi. <laughs> so it was the sweetest thing. I was like, if you it didn't bring this food, I probably would not have be eating today. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was, we don't live in Miami. It was like an hour and a half drive every morning. Mm-hmm. We could have got a hotel, but we should have got a hotel. That's <laughs> yeah. We probably could have got one. So we're driving an hour and a half to Miami. Um, and then after, you know, after every trade show, there's dinners, events, mm-hmm. um, right. charities to go to. At this show, we actually won creator of the year from the current awards for yeah. the Miami awesome. boat show. In, yeah. So that was, so of course, after one of the days, it's, we like changed in the car. Yeah. I changed from like my I don't know, boat, boat show, show fishing style clothes to like put nice like a dress clothes. on and like and then run to the event and like it was yeah. really great though. It was awesome. Huh, that's cool. Hey, you getting recognized. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, thank so you. That's really really cool and special. Yeah, trade shows like we do like the Houston Fish Show, but just going to ICAST even as a, a um, yeah, yeah an just individual walking around. Yes. Like that, and I've heard it's already sold out this year. Is it like back to normal capacity, yeah. which is like double what it was last year? It seemed yeah. like, and it was kind of nice last year because it was a 
not a lot of there was a lot of vendors that were not there. Yeah. So you actually had time to talk to people. Yeah. Usually at iCast you get like two minutes. Yeah. And then there's a meeting or, or something. Right. You know, if you don't have a scheduled time to speak with anybody, but you know when I first went to that, um, you know I see all these guys like like you were talking about. You get bombarded from people all the time. What and it's like. You know, see Bill dance. I think I, I think we talked about this the other day. He's like, man, I don't want to bother him, you know, but yeah. I'd love to meet him like mm-hmm. one time. And, and then we ended up having like a 30-minute conversation with him, you know. So you're not going to do that anywhere else. Right. So it's all it's cool and been a, a real privilege, I guess, to get to go and experience that stuff. And and those shows, like, you make a lot of good connections. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's where I met you guys last yeah. year. We yeah. Y'all were just walking by me, and I was like, hey, yeah, hi. I know. <laughs> now you're over here in Texas with us. Yeah, so. I know. Yeah, ICAST has always been a, um, a really good thing. Our first year at ICAST was the same. It was also our first year as a charter business. So that was the year that we made so many amazing connections, and it really helped us actually get our charter business going with the gear we needed. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, being yeah. just two lady anglers on our own at first, like, we were fine with the rods we had. But being a charter business, you need a lot more. You yep. need stuff for six people at all times. Um, you know, if something breaks, you need to have another ready to go. So yeah. that was really helpful for us. And that was actually where we met the guys from um, Batson Enterprises mm-hmm. and Team Rain Shadow. And, l- you know, the relationship has grown. And now we've, we are now came out with Gale Force Rods. And they're the ones that helped us put that together with the prototypes and everything. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. So are y'all, um, when y'all were charter fishing, it's so like the way I do it is I want everything exactly the same. Like, all the rods and reels oh are, like, yeah, perfectly yeah. matched. Yep, so definitely. if something breaks, I can just flip yeah. it. Because I, I see a lot of guys, they got, they got this rod and reel, yeah. and they got that one. It looks like one, Skittles on the boat, like yeah. all different colors. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's funny is, right, so we have, we do all of our rods with red braid, and we have one reel that has blue braid on it. Oh, yeah, it drives and me it crazy. It drives me crazy. We just haven't had the time to just switch, switch it out. It out. <laughs> um, because I think we somebody was borrowing it, a charter captain needed to borrow it, and, Oh, and, and it, it was low online, and they were like, hey, I put some more braid on it. I'm like, oh, thanks for the braid. But now it's blue. Hey. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> but um, what's funny is we're um, actually working with pen now. So we d- we've been using pen for a long time, but we have want to make sure that whatever we get to add to our rods matches what we already have. So if these rods have pen slammers, we need to make sure that we're matching them with pen slammers so that they all look the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty particular. Maybe we sound that, OCD. So. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're fishing, like you want to know, like if organ- you got to switch fast. Yeah. Like right. You need to know. I can look at it and be like, that's the if it's got a pen slammer with red braid, it's my do it all rod. Or if it's got, yeah. you know, yeah, the we put our conventional rods. We do white braid because we when we bottom fish in Pulley Ridge at nighttime, the white's easy to see. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. try to do conventionals with white, spinners with red, and our colors are Gale Force brand red, colors is black. red and black. Yeah. So. Y'all fish braid on everything, I assume? Ev- everything. Everything. I don't think I have a reel spooled with mono. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> had a, a reel spooled with mono in a long yeah. time. If we so. want to go sail fishing, I'll just top them off with mono or something. Yeah. yeah. I know some really... No, we went sail fishing, like, last weekend, and the mono drove me crazy. I opened the reel to, oh, like, to, like, pull the hook down just a tiny bit, and, like, the whole thing exploded on me. <laughs> I don't like mono. <laughs> yeah. I remember those days. So. Yeah. But, yeah, we're usually bad on the wind over here, so sometimes even braid kind of yeah. fights you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it is windy. But, but and, then, and then, and even on the spinning reels and stuff, like, we get a lot of people, they'll they'll just reel, and they won't, like, pull their slack mm-hmm. tight, you know, before oh, they start yep, reeling, so yep. they'll get loops in it, and then they'll throw it again without me seeing it, and then it'll get a knot or something. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what happens. Like, 
I don't want to have, but you didn't do it. You know, I'll take oh, care no of worries. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just the wind, you know, so I'll get that. And I'll just hand him another rod. Say, here, I'll fix this one. So, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, so that's cool. So, well, um, so where can, I know everybody knows you're all on social, mm-hmm. but kind of just tell us again, like where yeah. y'all are all at there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say the, our home base would be our website, which is galeforcefishing.com. And I would like to say that Gale is spelled like the Gale Force Wind, G-A-L-E. A lot of people, that's how our last name is actually spelled, like the wind. So, so yeah, galeforcefishing.com. Yes. And um, our email list, we've got our subscribe link at the top of the page. On you the website. Can subscribe on the website, you can subscribe to our mailing list. And that's kind of where like a lot of our really important information goes. But we're also mm-hmm. on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And Rumble and Waypoint TV. So we're on, yeah, you are on Waypoint a lot of now. platforms all underneath Gale Force Twins. Awesome. Well, it's so good to have you yeah. guys here. I can't wait to see the hogs y'all are going to get know. tonight. <laughs> so hopefully y'all get some big yeah. ones. Thank you for um, having us. They're super, uh, they're, they're pretty sure tonight's going to be a good night for the pigs. So they oh, had a pretty awesome. good night last night. I need to go get a coffee. Better. <laughs> so, yeah. So well, hopefully we'll get some more fish here too before before it gets dark and you'll head out. So thanks again. Yeah, thank Thank you. you. All right. Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.